0: Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning. As we stand together, let's sing out and praise our almighty God as we sing out Behold Our God Together.
1: Joining us for worship today at First Baptist Church of Wixom. Here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected.
0: There will be a Truth Tracker Leader meeting in the Church Cafe immediately following morning worship today. If you are a Truth Tracker Leader, please plan to attend this informative meeting. Everyone is invited for the church camp out here on the church grounds August 18th through 20th. Tents and campers may be set up as early as 3 p.m. on Friday. Whether you're camping or not, you're invited to come over on Friday and Saturday evenings for yard games and dinner fellowship. Bring something to put on the grill or buy dinner for your family on the way. Weather permitting, our AM worship gathering will be outside next Sunday, August 20th. Bring a lawn chair and dress appropriately for the weather. A hot dog lunch will be provided immediately after the morning message, so please plan to stay for fellowship.
1: A few times each year, we have a special luncheon for everyone that is new to FBC Wixom. If you're new here... Please plan to stay after the worship gathering on August 27th for a light lunch and fellowship with church leaders and other new attenders. Community groups continue tonight at 6 p.m. If you are not yet connected with a Sunday p.m. community group, please visit fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups for more information. Community groups meet in homes most Sunday evenings at 6 p.m.
0: In just a few minutes, we'll be dismissing children four years through the third grade, out the back of the auditorium, to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixtham.org and click on the tab at the top of the page.
1: If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more information about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning.
2: Good morning everyone. It is great to see you this morning and I would like to add just a couple of announcements real quickly if we could as we get started today. You heard on the announcement video that next Sunday morning weather permitting we will be outside uh, out by the uh, buses uh, for the camp out but that we'll also have our service out there and if you'd like to bring a comfortable chair of your choice from home. Uh, next Sunday would be a good time to do that because we'll have some metal chairs out there, but if you want a more comfortable chair, bring that with you. I also want to mention that the Starting Points class, um, is a, this is a class for people who are new to FBC Wixom. There's just tons of great information that's shared in the Starting Points class. That begins in four weeks on September the 10th, and so if you're new and you have never been to Starting Points We strongly encourage you to join that class. That's at 9.45. It lasts for five weeks, and we hope that you'll come starting on September the 10th. In the kitchen, there's a little bit of leftovers from Forgotten Harvest, namely a bunch of one-pound bags of rice, and if you would enjoy some of that, you can stop by the kitchen afterwards and take as much as you like home with you today. Jenna Murdy and Josh Lampier, you saw Josh get baptized a few weeks ago. They're getting married on September the 2nd, here at uh, FBC Wixom and uh, their reception afterwards is by invitation only but the wedding ceremony is open to the church and so you're invited that's at 3 30 on September the 2nd the wedding for Jenna Murdy and Josh Lampier. What's well, a privilege to start our gathering again today with a baptism and it's just a real privilege for me to be able to do this. This is part of the lord's commands to his disciples in fact if you think about the great commission the big instructions for the church this is right there You, you can't avoid it jesus says go make disciples of all nations and then baptize them in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost and then teach them to observe all things i've commanded you or in other words See people saved and then connect them to church through baptism and then integrate them into the body by teaching them how to live their lives as a Christian. So it's a real blessing for me today to introduce you to Nick Witte. And Nick, why don't you come down at this time if you would? And let's hear Nick's uh, video testimony this morning.
3: Hi, my name is Nick Witte. Throughout my life, I found that. I had learned from other people various ideas about religion, um, things that weren't necessarily true or right, but the idea that living your life as good as possible and doing more good than bad would lead you to heaven, things like that, that were, were not correct. Um, I had spent uh, a lot of my life not understanding anything about the Bible or about Jesus or the church, um, not attending church, not following anything uh, strictly. As I learned more about the Bible and understood more of the gift of God's grace and mercy and forgiveness through reading the Bible and spending time with uh, people at FBC Wixom and attending the sermons and attending community groups, after reading through the Bible Completely around twenty nineteen I determined that I needed Jesus Christ to save me and that I would accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, that the only way to truly be saved is to accept Him, to admit that I'm a lowly sinner and that I need His grace and His gift of His sacrifice to allow me to speak to the Father and to allow me to be in His presence that Trading His robes of righteousness for my filthy rags was the only way that I could approach the Father That uh, without those things that He may not even hear me. Understanding that you can be saved by faith makes a lot of things in life easier. Uh, Understanding that idols come in many forms, that money and comfort and other worldly things really have no eternal value, and that storing up things on earth is... A waste of time that storing up eternal things is what we're meant to do and that really offers a lot of comfort in that respect. Words of scripture that I find especially important are the words of Jesus in Matthew seven thirteen 13-14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only if you find it. Uh, all the answers are in the Bible. They've been there for thousands of years. They don't change anything really that you question in modern life can be answered within the Bible. God's Word is available to everyone and uh, it's really a great gift that we can learn from it and apply it to our lives. As I studied the Scripture, I came to the realization that True salvation comes from Christ alone, that only He can save me, and I put my faith and my trust in Him, and everything in my life changed at that moment.
2: Amen. Isn't that a blessing? Awesome. Yeah, what a... I think that's good. Thank you for sharing your testimony with us. That's just... So powerful for us to hear what God's doing in your life, Nick, and what I loved about it, I don't know if you caught this, but Nick's testimony began with the most common misunderstanding of the gospel, and that is that if I'm good enough and my good works outweigh my bad, that certainly God will let me live with him in heaven for all eternity. And then he closed with, the answers are in Scripture, and I just want to tell you that that theory of good works outweighing bad works, it's not in Scripture. It's not there. That's a man-made theory. What Scripture tells us is that salvation is found in one source, and that is Jesus Christ, him and him only. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. It's just cool, Nick, to hear you talk about reading through Scripture and then listening to preaching and coming to that conclusion. Wow. It's not good enough to fear God or to have a respect for God or even believe the Bible or even believe that there was a Jesus. That's not good enough. What, what Scripture says is that I need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's so good to hear you express that, and it's a real honor for me to be able to baptize Nick this morning. So come on up here if you would. Okay. So Based on your testimony that we all heard, and um, your desire to express your faith in Jesus Christ to the rest of the body, we're going to obey what Jesus said—the Great Commission—to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and, and the Holy Ghost. Can yes. You can step up here just a little bit, okay. if you mm-hmm. All right, go ahead and your nose. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Buried with Him in baptism, and raised to walk in new life. And God's people said, "Amen." He's a big guy, he about took me down with him. We <laughs> about both got baptized this morning, so <laughs> praise God for that. That church is what it's all about, watching people put their faith in Jesus and publicly declare that uh, to the rest, and so I'm grateful for that opportunity this morning. Let's pray together as we start our service. Father, what a blessing to hear Nick's testimony, to hear him express his faith in Jesus Christ and his understanding of the truth of your word that says that salvation is only found there in jesus this morning lord we ask that you would strengthen the faith of the believers who just witnessed that testimony in baptism and secondly lord that if there are some here that have never made that personal maybe they they honor you maybe they think about you maybe they fear you but they've never started a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And if that's true, Lord, would you today help them to see their need of salvation and help them put their faith in Jesus Christ alone for their eternal salvation? Thank you for the opportunity we had to enjoy witnessing that today. Now we pray that you would help us as we sing to lift our hearts in worship of our great Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.
0: This morning, we get to emphasize God's amazing power, that he has the power to save. A lot of people make this proclamation that they can do something special, but he's the only one who actually has the power to fulfill it. Even so, to and throughout creation, we see God's mighty hand. So that's what we're going to sing about and worship him for this morning. Let's stand together as we sing out, O oh Great God.
4: Oh Great God i <laughs>
0: great God and we're going to continue to sing about it this morning. All praise to him.
5: All praise
0: in the scripture that there is a name that is above every other name, that at this name every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess, and it's at the name of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful name it is.
4: You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Your hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is I you. What a powerful name it is. Let's say What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ. My King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand again. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. You have no right.
0: You could be seated.
5: Thank you, Jeremy, for leading us in worship in that song. And that is a song that has been really on my heart this week because so much of it ties into Psalm 29, which is where we're going to be this morning, where we see the voice of the Lord. We see the powerful name of Jesus lifted up and held up in glory. This morning we're going to continue in our series, the Albums of Worship, where we're looking at a theology taken from the Psalms. And of course, theology is the study of God, who God is, and what God's people should do in response to Him. And of course, if you have missed the rest of the year, this is our theme this year, and you can see it on the circles in the back wall, that our response is to worship Him, to lift up His name and praise him and that is the correct response this morning we're going to consider sam 29 uh, the fact that god is omnipotent he is all powerful john macarthur describes this attribute of god this way and i think this is really helpful as we go into our discussion this morning it says god has the ability to do absolutely anything consistent with his nature and that's really important because God has the power to do absolutely anything, but we must always remember that God will never violate his own character in what he does, and that should certainly bring us comfort this morning as we think about how great God is. I wonder if you've ever reflected on a public speech or a declaration that someone has made and thought, wow, that is a really powerful message. Perhaps the message was powerful. Perhaps the way the speech was done caught your attention. Perhaps you've heard a politician speak in this way. Perhaps you've heard an activist, a sports person, or even someone else, the average person responding to a difficult situation in life. Well, back in Europe in the 1930s, uh, there was a voice in Europe And it was the power of one voice that descended Europe into World War II. It was the power of a voice that helped motivate a response from the British people in response to the voice of Hitler. There was a voice that helped mobilize a response from America after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Winston Churchill was that voice on the British side of things. And when he became prime minister, he made three speeches within his first five weeks of being prime minister that are known as historic speeches. And perhaps you have heard portions of these um, before now. But on June the 18th, Uh, Winston Churchill addressed Parliament. France had fallen into the hands of the Nazis. Most of Europe had been conquered. And Winston Churchill, on his third speech uh, to the British people regarding this matter, this is what he said. I'm going to read a small excerpt of it this morning to help us understand the power of his voice and what he spoke. He says, the battle of France is over. I expect The battle of Britain is about to begin. Upon this battle depends the survival of Christian civilization. Upon it depends our own British life and the the long continuity of our institutions and our empire. The whole fury and the might of the enemy must very soon be turned upon us. Hitler knows that he must have to break us in this island or lose the war. If we can stand up to him, All of Europe may be freed, and the life of the world may move into broad, sunlit uplands. But if we fail, the world, the whole world, including the United States, including all that we have known and cared for, will sink into the abyss of a dark new age, made more sinister and perhaps more protracted by the lights of perverted silence. We do hear this, bit. he says, Let us, therefore... Brace ourselves to your duties. So bear ourselves that if the British Empire and its Commonwealth lasted for a thousand years, men would still say this is and was their finest hour. Aren't those powerful words this morning? Motivating people to defend what they held to dearly. to Motivating them to defend civilization itself against tyranny. And yet this morning in Psalm 29, what we're going to see is the words of one who is infinitely more powerful than any great speaker. We're going to see a powerful God. And this morning we're going to see the power of his voice. Turn with me to Psalm uh, chapter 29 this morning. And we're going to do something a little different this morning. We're going to use our voices to speak something powerful. And I ask you the question, is there anything more powerful that we could speak than the very words of God in Scripture? Perhaps you'll read along with me, and for continuity's sake, you can read what is on the screen, and we'll read this psalm together this morning. It says, verse 1, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength, give unto the Lord The glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is upon many waters. The glory of God thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Siron like a young unicorn. The voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve, and discovereth the forests. In his temple doth everyone speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Let's pray this morning. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. Lord, we thank you that it is your words That contain the power, Lord, we thank you that you are all powerful, that you have given your word to us, that you have given your son and your spirit to us as well. And Lord, we pray as we bask in your power and your glory this morning in Psalm 29, that you would help us to take these truths and apply them into your own hearts and lives. Lord, we may may we leave here empowered by your word and your spirit to live better for you to live more like christ each and every day in jesus name amen so this psalm like so many other of the psalms is a psalm written by david and typically what happens in these psalms is david says some things or responds to a situation that he's in and then turns it back to worshiping god the conclusion is typically the praise the worship of god lifting up god for what he is doing in the situation and this psalm is particularly interesting because david doesn't waste any time in getting to the fact that we should worship and lift up the name of god look at verses one and two we see the praise of god it says give unto the lord O ye mighty give unto the lord glory and strength Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You see, three times in these two verses, we see that phrase, give unto the Lord. Pastor mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. It's almost rhetorical. What can we give unto the Lord, one who is all-powerful? Does he really need anything from anyone else? Yet David says, worship the Lord. Give him your praise. Give him the glory. Give him the glory that is due unto his name. But I want you to note that he directs this exaltation of praise onto a certain group of people. It says, O ye mighty, there's a little bit of debate about who the mighty are but really this hebrew phrase references an angelic group or heavenly beings and david is telling them the ones that are surrounded around the throne of god he's saying unto them give praise unto god that's their very job and where they are they're in the throne room of god they are eternally praising god yet david says give praise unto him he deserves that praise so much give him the glory give him the honor that is due unto his name. And I think something that's really important for us here is that if David is commanding those that are in the very presence of God to give worship to him, then it's certainly true that David expects us, mankind, to be giving our praise and our worship unto God as well. In fact, I wonder if you've ever noticed that there is a plaque on the wall outside just these back auditorium doors. Does anyone know What the verse is that's written on it? There you go. Good trivia question. So, Psalm 29, verse 2. There it is. It says, Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And whoever had it in mind when this plaque was made, had the idea that perhaps in this room, when we come together to worship, that we should be giving all the glory, giving the honor due to his name unto God. But David moves on from this opening point of worshiping God, giving reverence on to who he is and encouraging others to do the same to a picture that is unfolding in front of him. And this is a picture of a significant thunderstorm. And here we see the power of God on display through this storm that David is witnessing Verses 3 through 9, really the chunk of the psalm is taken up by David describing the power of God in light of this storm that's happening in front of him. Within these eight verses, you'll notice that the words the Lord or Yahweh is used 18 times. That name Yahweh is the covenant name for God. So David's saying, this is my God that I'm talking about here. And he mentions his name 18 times. We also see the phrase, the voice of the Lord in conjunction with the storm, seven times. Perhaps this whole um, second point could be summarized by simply reading verse 4. It says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. Um, David compares this storm that's happening that he sees played out to the power that is within the voice of the Lord. I want you to track this storm with me this morning because there's a couple of interesting things that we can learn from tracking this storm. First of all, you can see God's power over physical geography. In this storm, verse three tells us that there is a storm beginning over the waters, most likely over the Mediterranean Sea. And with that storm, with with those waves um, splashing up, we also see thunder mentioned as well. So the storm is brewing. It begins to move across the Mediterranean, and then it hits land. Verse five tells us God's voice breaks the cedars of Lebanon. Now these trees that are mentioned here are within the coastal region um, off the Mediterranean, just north of Israel. And these trees are really used in scripture as a symbol of strength, either in a good way, a positive uh, symbol of strength, or even to reflect arrogant strength. And actually, if you go to the country of Lebanon today and you see their flag, you will see in the middle of it a cedar tree As well. And these were the same timbers, the same woods that were used by Solomon to build the temple. Yet, look what it says here these trees are of little strength when it compares or is compared to the voice of the Lord. It tells us here that the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. These great trees are just snapped in comparison to the power and the voice of the Lord. Verse 6, we see that God's voice causes the mountains to shake. As we trace this storm inland, it comes to these two mountains, Mount Lebanon and Mount Suram. And perhaps you know that uh, second one more commonly as Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is the highest peak within the geographic borders of Israel. So the tallest mountain that there is quakes at the voice of the Lord in the midst of this storm. One thing that I thought was interesting as I was looking at this this week was um, this mountain, Mount Hermon, can take up to an average of 60 inches of rain per year. If you compare that to Michigan, Michigan is average 30 to 38 inches of rain per year. So this is a place that is used to storms and harsh weather. Yet whenever God speaks, whenever God's voice is heard, these mountains quake. And cannot stand still. Verse 7 tells us that the storm issues forth lightning. It speaks of God dividing the flames of fire. That's a reference to lightning, that God directs the lightning, that he splits it wherever it ought to go. Verse 8 tells us that this storm continues into the wilderness of Kadesh, a city in the north uh, with the great wilderness uh, connected to it. And this wilderness shakes at the voice of of the Lord. And in verse nine is kind of interesting as well. It says God's voice causes these animals to go into premature labor. It causes the forests to be stripped back, to be made bare. And really, what we see is that God's power is displayed in the Psalm over every element of physical geography. But really, it could be extended to God's power over every element. Of nature, You see, God has the power over the thunder, over the lightning, over the oceans, the seas, the great trees, forests, mountains, wilderness, and even the animal kingdom itself. But there's a deeper sense connected into the text here as well, and it reflects God's power over every other person, over idolatry, over any other false god's. You see, many of the elements that are mentioned here in this psalm fall under the realm of the false gods of the Canaanites. For example, Yam, a Canaanite god, was the god over the sea. Baal was the god of fertility, whether it was humans, animals, or land, and over thunderstorms. And these two were often said to be at conflict with one another. If one was in control of the sea and the other was in control of thunderstorms and they had to come from the sea, they were at odds with each other or at least that was the explanation of these false gods. Yet David says, Yahweh, my God, is the one who has a covenant relationship with his people. He's in charge of the God of the sea. He's in charge of the storm. He's in charge of the rain, the fertility. If he wants to scoop some water out of the ocean and spread it all over the land, he is entirely able to do that. The power is within his hand. And notice this, he doesn't need permission from anybody else. He doesn't need to ask any other false gods. He doesn't need to argue with anyone to do his will and his work. The two mountains that are noted here are actually... Uh, known as the abodes of the Mesopotamian gods. They often used these strong cedar trees to build their homes, or supposedly that's what they did. Yet David says, my God, Yahweh, the one who has a covenant relationship with his people, he snaps their trees, he shakes their mountains to a point where they cannot sit still. And is making a very clear statement here. He's saying, God Almighty, the God with all the power, is unmatched. He is unlike any other. He has power over physical geography. He has power over every element of nature. <clears throat> and he has power over every false idol or supposed God of nature. Really, that ought to bring us to a point where David gets to in verse 9. It says, everyone should speak of his glory. We ought to stand back and say, wow, what an incredible, all-powerful God. All glory due to him and unto his name. I think it's important here to take a little step back and think and remember that the strength and the power that we see here is not just a brute force. Uh, of God that David is speaking about, but it's actually the power in the voice of the Lord. And this got me thinking a little bit this week. What other times has God displayed his power through his voice? And there's three areas that I want to draw your attention to this morning. The first of all um, is in creation. God displayed the power of his voice in creation. We see that here clearly in this psalm, but we also see in Genesis chapter 1, We see this phrase come up again and again. If you've never noticed this, go back, look at it, and trace it through. It says these words, and God said. God spoke. It says it eight times, I believe. And for every day of creation, it began with, and God said. Psalm 33, verse 6 says, By the word of his power, or, sorry, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. We see clearly in creation that God speaks and these things come to be. But we also see God's power displayed in his voice uh, in communication with mankind. Um, We see throughout scripture that God's voice speaks to different individuals and you're going to notice a common trend here as we trace through some of these but uh, abraham in genesis chapter 17 verse 3 it says the lord appears to abraham and abraham fell on his face and god talked with him joshua and joshua chapter 5 they're just about to enter into the promised land and a representative of the lord comes with a message from god for joshua And this is what it says, it says, Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, what saith the Lord unto his servant? Joshua's messenger, or here, sorry, God's messenger, it wasn't even God himself, it was the one who brought the message from God that caused joshua to even fall down before him and interestingly this is a good response joshua says what does god have to say unto me he's got his ears open he's ready to listen to the voice of the lord ezekiel chapter one and chapter three ezekiel has two visions of the glory of god and ezekiel falls down twice in three chapters The first it says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one that spake. Two chapters later, this is kind of ironic. It says, then I arose. He just got back up from being on his face and listening to what God said. And I went forth into the plain and behold, the glory of the Lord stood there as the glory, which I saw earlier in chapter one. And I fell on my face. He fell down again. Every time he encounters the glory of God, he falls over on his face. He just cannot stand in the presence and the glory of God. But notice this, it goes on, it says, Then the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet and spake with me. So we see here, even in Ezekiel's response, God is helping him. It's the Holy Spirit that has to help Ezekiel back to his feet because he's been so in awe of what he has seen with regards to the glory of God. In Daniel chapter 10 he says how can the servant of this my Lord talk with this my Lord for as for me straight away there remained no strength in me neither is there breath left in me. Daniel says I don't even know how to speak seeing the vision and the power of the Lord displayed in front of me. Paul was similar. Acts chapter 9, Paul it tells us that, And he, Paul, fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecute thou me? And then even the apostle John in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, it says, When I saw him, when I saw Christ, I fell at his feet as though dead. This is the same man that laid his head, on the chest of Jesus during the Last Supper, yet when he sees Jesus' power displayed, he collapses in front of him as though he is dead. there's one other way this morning I want to draw your attention to of how God displays the power of his voice, and we see that in the person of Jesus Christ. see god's voice and his power was displayed in Jesus Christ. it was the Word. Of God that became flesh, according to John chapter one it was God's word and person that was conveyed in human form in human likeness so that we could understand what God is like during Jesus' time on earth um, people responded in to his words of power uh, John chapter eighteen verses five and six tells us uh, as as they come into the garden, they're looking for Jesus. They're wandering, where he is to arrest him. And Jesus says unto them, "Whom seek ye?" And they answered, "Jesus of Nazareth." And Jesus said unto them, "I am he." And Judas, which was which betrayed him, stood also with them. And as soon as he had said unto them, "I am he," they went backwards and fell to the ground. So here, even as Jesus is about to be arrested, his power is displayed through three simple words of his voice. But those words obviously have significance. They show that he is God, he is Lord, and he has the power of God with him. We also see that power displayed in John chapter 19 during Jesus' trial. It says, Then uh, then Pilate said unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Up to this point, Jesus had not said anything. And Jesus only says one thing, and we get to it here. Pilate says, Knowest thou not that I have the power to crucify thee and the power to release thee? Pilate's saying, hey, are you not going to say anything? Because I'm the one with the power to either crucify you or deliver you. And look at what Jesus says. The only thing he says during his entire trial, he says, Thou couldest have no power at all against me except it were given to thee from above. In the very next verse, Pilate sought to release Jesus from that point on, but he couldn't. God's power was being displayed even there. Pilate did not have the power even to release Jesus when he sought to. And of course, we know that's connected to the providence of God and the fact that Jesus, as the Messiah, had to come. He was going to die on the cross, and this was the moment when that was going to happen. And even the power of the most powerful ruler overseeing the trial was not able to stop that. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that even here and after, after Christ's life on earth and through Christ's life on earth, God still speaks to us. It says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophet, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You see, God's word was spoken to us and still is spoken to us through his son. Even this morning, you've seen the testimony of Nick. He mentioned it was through God's word. It was through the power of God's word. And seeing the power of Christ displayed that helped me realize my need for salvation. It was seeing the truth of Christ. It was seeing his power, the power of the cross displayed that helped him realize his need for salvation. And he said, at that point, everything changed. When I realized who had the power, when I realized who the true one is that I ought to be worshiping. I wonder, have you come to that point this morning? Have you ever realized that God used his power to make a way that we might be forgiven from our sins? It's not of any power that we have that we can be forgiven. It's all through what Christ has done. I wonder if you have trusted in his power for your salvation this morning. There's nothing that you can do. It all depends upon him. <clears throat> Turn with me back to Psalm 29 this morning and verse 10. As we continue, we're going to see more of God's power displayed, but we're also going to see the permanence of, of god the fact that this power lasts and will last throughout eternity it says the lord sitteth upon the flood yea the lord sitteth king forever something that's really interesting in the hebrew here is that the word for flood uh, mabel only appears in this psalm and in the accounts in genesis from genesis 6 so really what we can decipher from that is the flood that is being spoken of here is the flood of Noah's day. And as David watched the storm unfolding in front of him, <clears throat> he's reminded of the most catastrophic natural event that has happened in the history of the world. And here's what he concluded. He said, God, even through a catastrophic event like that, cannot be touched by anything. There is nothing that can take away his kingship over the earth. Despite this natural, great, great natural disaster happening, it did nothing to displace God or cause him to lose his power or authority or be touched by anyone else. In fact, it didn't affect his status at all as the Lord, but rather it reflects his permanence and his true kingship over the entire earth. So I want to help us this morning. How do we take... What is written here in these first 10 verses and take that truth and apply it into our own lives this morning. And David kind of helps us with that. It's always good whenever the scripture immediately jumps to an application, a really helpful point for us. So look at verse 11 with me. It says the people of God or I've entitled this the people of God. It says the Lord will give strength or the Lord will give power unto his people. The Lord will bless his people. With peace. It's interesting to note that the same word here of strength in the Hebrew is the same one that's mentioned earlier in reference to God. So we can conclude that this connects the power of God to his people. But how does the Lord give strength and power onto his people? Well, let's look at what Jesus says. In the beginning of Jesus' ministry, in Mark chapter 2, verse 10, uh, Jesus says this. He says, But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. So at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he displays that he has power over the forgiveness of sins. And then we see Jesus talking about his own death in John chapter 10. It says, No man taketh away from me my life. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it back up again. This commandment have I received of my father. And then after Jesus actually does that, after he lays down his life and he is resurrected again, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, and you probably know what verses 19 and 20 say. But in verse 18, it says this, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. But here's where it gets really interesting and helpful for us as the people of God, those of us who have trusted in Christ. This is what he says before he leaves. This is the final thing that Jesus says to his disciples. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, Ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So here we see that Jesus is transferring his power onto his people. And we see that that, that power of God displayed throughout every part of the Trinity. We, We we mentioned that in our song this morning, we mentioned the Triune God, the three in one. The fact that the power that the Father has is the same power that the Son has, the same power that the Holy Spirit has. But I want you to see how that power can transfer into the life of a believer this morning. You see, the Father sent his Son to earth. He used his power to send his son to earth and then the son through his death on the cross he showed his power over sin over death over all enemies he was buried and then in great power he resurrected himself again he took up his life just as he said and it was through that death on the cross and jesus ascension that then the holy spirit comes to be amongst god's people on that day of pentecost when the spirit comes and yet here we are when we come to approach god when we come to approach him we come to christ we come to the cross we seek forgiveness for our sins and if we do that then jesus empowers us with the holy spirit So now we as believers, having come to Christ on the cross, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And now through the Holy Spirit, we have access to Christ. And Christ tells us, Pastor mentioned this in the baptismal this morning. He says in John chapter 14, Jesus said to him, no man comes to the Father but by me. John chapter 1 tells us, but as many received him, received the word that is received jesus to them he gave the power to become the sons of god even them that believe on his name so you might feel like you're over here this morning and you're like uh floundering a little but know that if you have put your trust in christ the holy spirit has been imparted on you and through the power of the holy spirit you have access to the power of the son and you have access to the power of the father what we see here displayed in sam chapter twenty nine and it's kind of ironic actually because during the Jewish celebration of Pentecost they actually read this psalm they read sam twenty nine and of course, we know that jesus death on the cross changed everything it changed what Pentecost even meant, what happens on Pentecost. On Pentecost, the Spirit was first given to the disciples. It was the first time when God's power permanently indwelt his people. And that voice that speaks in Psalm 29, that power of God, is available to us through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and through the power of Jesus Christ. The Jews completely miss that when they read psalm 29 this morning they don't realize that the power that's displayed can be at work within them through the person of christ and through the holy spirit and i want you to ask this question of yourself because sometimes we can miss this very same truth that god's power can be at work in our life here's a question for you this morning do you rely upon god's power in your life or do you rely upon something else if you're relying upon something else, anything else, then you're missing it as well. You're missing the power of God at work in your own life. You see, this what we've read is the, an account, just one of many accounts, of an all-powerful God who has given strength and power unto his people, those who have trusted in him. I have an illustration here this morning that is uh, going to help us a little bit and you know, you've know, you probably been wondering, why is there a vacuum cleaner here in the auditorium? I've been fighting hard to make sure people don't put it away where it's meant to go. But this morning what I can do with the vacuum is I can, I can move it around a bit. I can look and see if pastor has been eating a snack and if there's some crumbs on the floor. Maybe I'll go over there and I can look like I'm doing the action of vacuuming. I can look good, perhaps... You're thinking, hey, he's doing a really good job driving this vacuum around. But here's the point if the vacuum is not plugged in, if there is no power, then everything I'm doing is no good. It doesn't matter how good it looks, it doesn't matter whether it looks like I'm doing the right thing, if I'm doing the right actions, if it's not plugged into the power source, it's doing absolutely nothing. At best, it's hypocritical vacuuming. (laughs) Really, for some of us, this is like our spiritual lives. We look like we're doing the right things. Perhaps we show up at church. Perhaps we keep our kids in line and they don't step out of line when they're in public. Perhaps we know exactly where our Bible is just in case we need it in a particular occasion. Perhaps we pray before dinnertime. Perhaps we leave a track somewhere when it sits us or accidentally falls out of our pocket. Perhaps we even serve in a ministry. We look good. We look like we're doing the right thing. But if we aren't plugged into the source of power, if we aren't plugged into Christ, if we aren't relying on the Holy Spirit, if we're not in God's word, his word of power, then, what we're doing is no good. We're not plugged in to the power source. We're not seeing the power of God at work in our lives. Look at the end of verse 11 with me. This is really helpful this morning. It says, The Lord will give strength unto his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. Often, times when we're devoid of the power of god at work in our lives we're also devoid of the peace of god that comes alongside that power jesus teaches on this in john chapter 15 when he talks about the vines and the branches he says i am the vine ye are the branches he that abideth in me and i in him the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me ye can do nothing jesus goes on in verse 7 he says if ye abide with me and my words abide in you ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you when you ask in the power of god for the things that should be done in conjunction with god's character he's going to do them but note this where's the power the power is not in us the power is in christ the power is in his words that abide within us and then look at verse 11. This is really uh, helpful this morning. It says, these things I have spoken on to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So here again, we see the power of God at work in your life. And with that comes peace. This really profound It's helpful. Yet it's Pretty simple as well. It's simple that power and peace go together when we're talking about God. But often what happens is we see the power of God and the peace of God most on display during the worst storms in our lives. Paul says this to the Corinthians. He says, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. And this has been my verse all week because... (laughs) If you can hear it in my voice, it's just kind of ironic that we're talking about the voice of the Lord and I can barely speak. But um, <clears throat> this verse has really helped me this week and I encourage it to let it help you as well. It says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my affirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul's saying when I'm weak, when the storms and the difficulties of life come, I can take pleasure in those things because everything else is stripped back. And it can only be the power of Christ that's at work within me. It can only be the power of the God of of psalm 29 at work in my life in my situation paul reminds timothy of this in second timothy one he says for god has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of sound mind and as we close i want to give you just one example of this this morning seeing the power and the peace of god coupled together so beautifully in scripture there are three instances in the Gospels where God the Father audibly speaks unto his son. first one you perhaps are familiar with is at Christ's baptism, where he says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And just about a week or so before Christ's death on the cross in John chapter 12, God speaks again, and people hear his voice, and some of them said that voice sounded like thunder. But the one I want to focus on this morning is the middle one, Uh, Matthew chapter 17 the transfiguration uh, of Christ you see Peter was speaking in this moment one of the, the apostles and disciples was speaking and and he was saying things like oh we should build tents this looks like a great place to hang out this is really cool to be in God's presence and God's glory and we should build a shrine let's stay here forever and yet look what it says while he that is Peter, yet spake Behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud that said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face, and they were sore afraid. You see, all of those that were present fell on their face before this voice that spoke. And not only is God reminding the hearers, of his voice that he was pleased with his son that his son was god incarnate in the flesh on earth but he was also saying hear him listen to this one he is the one that has the power and authority given from heaven the disciples are taught a lesson here in god's power who's in charge and the power of god's voice in comparison to their own voice God is bestowing all that power on his son. He's showing and picturing the power of Christ um, here and after in in the way that Christ will conduct his activity through the rest of time. But look at what the one with all the power does. Verse 7, it says, And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. You see, the power of God And the peace of God are always perfectly coupled together for the child of God who's fully trusting in him. And that should bring us great comfort and great courage as we trust in his power. As we recap this morning, I want to give you a couple of questions to think about as we leave. First of all, have you relied upon the power of God for your salvation? There is nothing that we can do of ourselves. It is all in the power of what Christ has done on the cross. The second question is, do you seek that power of God every day through his word, through prayer, through dependence upon the Holy Spirit? And finally, I ask you this question. Do you rely upon that power of God in every single situation in your life? First uh, Corinthians 2 verse 5 says, your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of of God you see if your faith doesn't rest entirely in the power of God you'll probably find that you have no peace in what you're doing as well so I encourage you this morning trust in God's power trust in the one who is all-powerful trust in the one who is omnipotent the one who is always in control because he's the only one whose power can sustain you and bring you peace through the storms of life let's pray this morning Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your power this morning. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word, the power of your word. Um, Lord, we just pray for each and every person here that they would um, realize your power this morning and that you would help us to respond in worship and response to your power displayed. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, and we pray that you would continue with us in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: One of the ways that we see in scripture many times as a response to the power of God is to react in worship and in praise. So as we leave today and we've heard about the amazing power that God has, let's stand together and let's just praise his name. Let's do it together. Reaches of
4: heaven.
2: Thank you for watching this video of one of our recent services. It's a pleasure for us to have you join us from a distance and join our church in a time of worship around the Word of God. The most important message that we can tell you is that God loves you. He loves you so much that He gave Jesus Christ as payment for your sins. The Bible says that all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We want you to know that message, that true life is found in Jesus Christ. An eternal life. The opportunity to live with God forever in heaven. In spite of our sinfulness. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to pray something like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I know there's nothing I can do about my sinfulness. I don't want to pay for my own sin. and I want to put my faith in Jesus I want His death on the cross to pay for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my own way and make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you be willing to pray something like that and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If so, we want to help you as you start your spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. God loves you. Our church
4: loves you. We're glad that you could watch this message today. God bless.